Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Today, I am joined with Josh Button. Josh Button is the jack of all trades, uh, self-proclaimed. He's a former male model. He's a podcaster now, and he's a really interesting dude. So, Josh, I'm so happy to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. There's so much for us to get into today and so many different topics that I want to cover with you. And I feel like we have a lot in common, but one of the things that I'm really interested in is your male modeling journey and where that's kind of led you now in terms of beauty standards and everything like that. So I guess before we get too ahead of ourselves into all that fun stuff, uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a background on that journey? Well, I'm not sure about beauty standards, but for 20 years, that's what I've done professionally. I guess I was scouted probably around 19 years old and quickly got shipped off to Europe. So my first adventure was go to Europe, figure out the business, start doing runway shows, get an agent who was kind of, you know, promoting me out there, get my feet wet, so to speak. And I, I guess I landed in New York at an interesting time. I landed a couple of weeks before 9-11 and I didn't leave. Yeah. So it kind of, that changed my life first and foremost. And as soon as I realized New York was going through such a big change. I had an agent there that was like, oh, you should just stay, stick it out. And I didn't really know what the business was going to be like in Europe, whether or not to go back. So I stayed in New York for 10 years, a little over 10 years, loved a lot of the aspects of that and really despised winter. So after 10 years, I went out to LA. Um, I've done the acting, like more commercial based acting world and went to theater school, did a lot of, you know, educating myself on the ins and outs of the business where I would fit in long-term, but never really felt like that was, you know, purpose-driven or my calling. There was several aspects of the business that I just had no respect for. And I couldn't actually, you know, introduce myself as a male model all the time, just because of that. And because I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being true to myself. So yeah, it was an end to a means. I met a lot of great people, had a lot of great networking, um, did a lot of awesome jobs that you know I'm grateful to have had. Traveled the globe, and you know that that in itself was worth all of the effort, just to be able to get out, experience other cultures, you know, see what different what different you know worldviews there were predominantly in fashion, but. I met a lot of friends that weren't in fashion as well. So it was, it was quite an adventure when the time came that I really wanted to move into other stuff. I was, you know, fortunate to have a network to fall back on and to be able to do other things. And I worked for celebrities, did a lot of property management, personal assisting, personal training, as you know, and I guess that's how I would say why I would say jack of all trades, because I've got a little bit of a Forrest Gump kind of story as far as how many different professions I fit into and kind of just seamlessly walked into and had some kind of background or experience that was fitting for it. Now I'm kind of consistently educating myself on new stuff, kind of expanding my horizons, trying to find something, you know, that I haven't quite done yet, just because that excites me. I get into something new and you know, I think a lot of people have the tendency to attack it full on when they get into something that's really interesting to them. And in the last few years, I've found jujitsu. So as far as training and, you know, changing it up, that has kind of taken over. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit obsessed. <laughs> and the pod, podcasting thing is, I think I'm better late than ever because I feel yeah. like it's right up my alley and it's just been something to really engage and you know, kind of get some stuff off my chest and, you know, and jump into it. And I'm sure just like yourself, you've kind of been rewarded being able to put your experience out there and share with people, you know, this that helped me so much or worked for me so well and why. So, yeah. Wow. What a journey. It really does sound like you're a jack of all trades. And that's something I kind of relate to because I feel like I've I've had several sort of professional switches in my life. Um, I started off in healthcare advertising, then I segued to communications, then I segued to personal training, and then now I do social media management. So it's just like, I want to do all the things. So I'll, I relate right. to you on that. Um, but I also commend you for starting your podcast, because I feel like something that a lot of people get stuck into, and we can kind of dive into this, is having an idea, right? Having something that they want to work towards, but 
it's almost like that imposter syndrome enters where it feels like it's impossible to even get it going. And so then you leave yourself stagnant. Whereas if you just go for it and you kind of learn along the way, that's when the magic really happens. Yeah, absolutely. Fail forward. If nothing else, you know, failure teaching is more than success in the long run. And if you're going to set your eyes on the prize, it's worthwhile. You're going to have some failures and some obstacles. But if you're moving forward and you're progressing, I think that's the greatest reward, you know, progress. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's been times with certain things that I've done where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be good enough for this or who who do I think I am, you know, talking about this subject. But I think it's so rewarding when you kind of just take that leap and figure it out as you go. Even the most successful people that you know, I'm sure that they had to overcome that mental roadblock of, oh, let me just get out of my own way and just go for it. Because otherwise, if you stay stuck in that trap of waiting for the perfect moment, waiting for you to have all your ducks in a row, every skill has to be A plus, it's never going to happen. It doesn't exist, right? The perfect moment does not exist. No, definitely not. I always say like the present is the perfect moment because you're never going to be fully ready, no matter what it is in your life. If you're listening to this, if it's a job, if it's a fitness goal, just start. Just start with something small and then, you know, work your way up from there and you will be surprised at the progress that you can make. And I'm sure for you with your podcast, now that you're in a flow of it, you're like, wow, this is really cool. I'm glad that I just went for it. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge and it's definitely something where, you know, maybe the direction is going to change and I'll go and, you know, talk about different things. But at the moment, you know, just get the stuff that's on my chest off and talk about what's worked for me. And I I found so far that, you know, I'm comfortable doing that. It's not like outside of my wheelhouse or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I have a, an interesting background in that regard. My dad is a pastor and he's, Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. Know he's always done this public speaking. And in, even when I got into the business in the, in the very beginning, I fell into fittings, which is an interesting job for modeling. It's, you know, they put the collection on you. You talk about what, what works, what doesn't work. You, you work with designers, you work with the technical um, personnel to make things fit correctly but then you also work with uh international buyers so you're constantly kind of honing that salesman's mentality and kind of having relationships with people and they start to trust you start to trust your judgment of what you know based on your experience and i probably had two or three big speaking gigs from that when i was really early on in the business and that really it was exciting. You know, it really got my adrenaline pumping. And I was like, Oh, man, sitting up here in front of, you know, a 1000 people is, it's really crazy, you know, and get those moments where you're like, you know, the butterflies. And after the reward is just, it's not like the other jobs. It's not like standing in front of a camera for eight hours and just, you know, going through the poses doing the same old thing or, you know, sitting in a makeup chair. It's different. It's rewarding. And in a in a sense that you've actually accomplished something by sharing a message, no matter what it was at that time, if as long as it was positive and you were helping somebody who wanted to get into that business or wanted to sell that product, then it was rewarding at the end. And I, I think the public speaking thing kind of gave me a little push, gave me a little nudge towards not just spokesman deals, but towards later wanting to kind of share like that Forrest Gump story in some yeah. ways, if it's going to help somebody along the line, you know, save them, a little bit of that self-doubt, a little bit of that imposter syndrome, just go mm-hmm. do it. Just have, you know, have that carefree attitude, be yourself, be authentic and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I think that's the best we can do in life in general, much less any of these things that we're attacking and we're trying to, you know, take on it's especially new because people do. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a nervous thing. I think people, are always going to have a little bit of that question in the back of their head, but it also makes you approach the situation a little bit more seriously and dedicate a little bit more time and effort to it as opposed to, you know, just winging it all the time. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes along with the idea of our comfort zone, right? Like when we stay in our comfort zone, everything's familiar, everything's safe. We know the outcome. And I think a big part of stepping outside of the comfort zone, or at least the fear aspect of it for a lot of people is not having control over it, right? It's that unknown. It's that area of risk that a lot of us doubt ourselves. But like I said earlier, that's where the magic happens. And I think the more that you take risks with something new, there's anytime you have a new project that excites you, if you feel that internal, like intuitive gut feeling of like, this excites me, this is something I think I want to pursue. Listen to that, you know, listen to the call. That's growth. That's exactly, exactly it. There is no growth in your comfort zone. Yeah. 
So I want to circle back to something you mentioned earlier in terms of your modeling career, where you said you kind of felt like you weren't really tapping into your potential or what you really could have been offering people. What was that mental switch like for you? Was there a certain epiphany moment for you where you kind of were like, mm, I don't think I want to do this? Uh, I don't know if I could pinpoint the exact moment, but I would have I would have that internal dialogue, that struggle when I would meet people. And they, you know, and I would have to explain right up front, especially, especially in a corporate scene or in, you know, a, going with a network from a corporate scene, let's say it's happy hour or wherever it was, and you're getting introduced as the male model. And it was like, look, I'm not defined by that profession. I would really, really prefer not to be defined by that profession because I, I just don't feel like most of the, a, the people in the business, but I don't feel like I pursued this. It pursued me. I fell into this. It was an accident. I'm very happy for the success that I had in the business or, you know, any of the jobs that I was, you know, fortunate enough to land, but I didn't pursue them in that way. And I never put, I guess, a lot of effort into trying to be that male model. I wasn't Zoolander. I wasn't excited <laughs> yeah. about the business itself. I just like to travel. I didn't mind the pay that was attached to some of the jobs and definitely the locations I got to go to, but I definitely never felt defined by being a male model. I worked hard through my teen years. I worked so many different jobs. I did so many different things and, you know, I eliminated a lot of the things that I didn't want to do. Modeling took a little bit longer for me to realize, I don't think I can do this for long-term. Even the fittings, like working with designers and, and tech personnel was kind of, it was kind of rewarding, but standing all day, I'm talking about eight hours on your feet, you're putting on different clothes. It just, it, it takes a toll. And I was not, you know, I wasn't ready to commit to that long-term and to commit to working with the high-end clients that I was working with on contracts that were long-term because I, I just didn't feel that that was rewarding enough or that that was actually what my purpose was or that, you know, what my background substantiated me doing. I felt like, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to take at least this need-based stuff that was going on in my, my life and apply that to help other people. I mean, I've kind of got this history where I watched not only my father, but several people in my family have these poor health outcomes. And just from a young age, I was really, really, really dedicated to not having those outcomes. And it meant doing a little bit more reading, doing a little bit more research, having a little bit more faith, you know, I think for a lot of people in our culture, taking the pill is way easier than doing a like diligent research on what you've been, let's say, diagnosed with or what you're, you feel is going on internally or even having faith to wait out the process. Because like for everybody, our body will send us messages sometimes that are very confusing. They're, they're you know, internal pains and this, this dialogue even in our heads that, you know, it's not very, it's not easy to figure out right off the bat. And we would like to go to an expert who can pinpoint an issue for us and fix it right away. But that's just not how I found health works best. It just, I wanted to avoid those outcomes. I put in a little bit of, a little bit of time, conspiracy minded, I guess, obsessing over certain subjects and would come to the conclusion that there are experts out there that offer completely different advice, offer a completely different set of parameters for what we should do to take care of ourselves and to prevent these things. So I, I don't know, I was probably in my mid twenties when I realized, oh man, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use some of this. I'm going to relay some of this. And I tried my best to relay it to my father in specific. You know, that was one of those things. Hey man, I, I think maybe this direction isn't the best for you because I've seen it fail. You've seen it fail. How can we break you out of this cycle of failure? And even if it wasn't applied for him, the accumulation of the understanding was, you know, is paramount to my own personal health. I'm in my mid forties. And I like to think that for my age, for my genre, however you want to call it, that I'm a outlier, a health outlier, especially in my family. You know, and I think it was really important to a find a calling, find a purpose driven position, if that's what you want to call it, to help people understand, hey, there are alternatives and holistics are not what they're cracked up. They're not what they're promoted to be by the mainstream. Yeah. 
And as confusing as it is, I think there's more people kind of coming around to that understanding, like, uh, maybe healthcare isn't as perfect or as fixed as, and I guess what it's been promoted to be. And maybe we should start to give the ancient stuff even, or the holistic stuff a little better, like a little more energy, a little better understanding and apply it and see what happens. And I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah. And you know what? I think a lot more people, at least now, are not necessarily waking up to it, but at least opening their minds to it. Whereas before holistic medicine or any alternative remedy was viewed as witchcraft or like not, yeah. not you know, uh, beneficial. But if you think about it, a lot of those practices get to the root of the cause rather than just like masking it. Like if we just run, you know, to the doctor for a pill to mask pain for somewhere. Okay, but where is the pain coming from? What's the root cause of it? You know, right. And I think a lot of people are opening their minds to that now, especially with everything that's gone on in the past few years. I think a lot of us are starting to reevaluate and reconsider some of these ancient practices that were tremendously beneficial for a lot of different cultures. A hundred percent. Even like chiropractic, when you have a pain in the right side of your neck and you're, you're going into your doctor and you're telling them about this pain and this ache here, the doctor goes, oh, well, we'll just, you know, throw you on some anti-inflammatories and hook you up with a, a pain pill and... Well, it'll work itself out. That's not really the that's not really the way to attack these things. And if it, the pain is in one area, it doesn't mean that the issue is coming from that exact area. So some people will try to pinpoint therapies to that position and understand that you're imbalanced and that it's actually you know coming from the opposite side of your body. So there's a lot of things that are are misunderstood in my opinion that we can just go backwards a little bit to yeah. move forwards. So I am hopeful. I think a lot of people are getting turned on to it as well. Yeah. And not, yeah. And not just like dismissing it. It's funny you say the chiropractor thing, because I actually went to the chiropractor a few weeks ago and he pressed some spot up here and it like completely fixed like a adductor imbalance that I had. And I was so blown away. Whereas a lot of people think chiropractic services are hokey pokey and woo woo. Mm. But you know, a lot of that stuff, I don't write that stuff off. And I always tell people, use your discernment and do your own research for anything in your life. Whatever you've been led to believe, wherever the source is, doesn't matter like which side it's more skewed towards, whatever. Do your own research and listen to yourself. Does that information sit right with you? Does that seem like it's aligned. If, if something seems off about it, then do your own research. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong. I just encourage people to think for themselves. Right. You know, seek alternatives when you when it's necessary. I found a holistic chiropractor in New York by chance. I had like turned this way and I was operating a remote control, of course, and my neck got stuck and I was all freaked out. And somebody referred me to this guy and he was a lawyer, big hotshot lawyer in New York who quit his practice to go into chiropractic. And wow. I, was, I was talking to him for 30, 40 minutes and he was like, you're not taking care of yourself. You, you know what's going on that, you know, you can support yourself better in the ways that you're hydrating. If you're standing that much all day, just these different things can help you. And he showed me a stress test where he put a phone in my hand and, you know, you have to give it a little resistance and you realize. Did he like push oh. the hand down? Yep. Those are like, so cool when they do those. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this real? Is, is this possible? So there's all of these things that they're not taking into account when you go the traditional method, the traditional route. And they just, unfortunately, I think are quick to prescribe. They're, they're quick to prescribe. And yeah. that's not necessarily getting to the root of, of an issue most of the time. No. And most of the time, like it makes people dependent on that for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And that's, you know, an entire- It comes with side effects. Issue. Yeah. It comes and side with effects. other issues. Yeah. Yeah. Every pharmaceutical, it's so funny because I used to work in pharmaceutical advertising which is so ironic now, but um, every commercial that you see is like side effects include, and it's just a laundry list of stuff. Meanwhile, they're fixing that one little itty bitty thing that the thing is for. And you've got like a cocktail of every other kind of symptom. And, and boy, is, is that a wormhole in itself? How are yeah. they advertising this to us? How are they advertising this to people who are already sitting in front of a television? You don't know how long they've been sitting there. They run more of these advertisements late night when people are kind of yeah. 
their circadian rhythms a little bit off. They're not necessarily in the greatest state of mind. And they're watching these commercials that are directly advertised to that state. Yeah. <laughs> Happy man. He's running through the, the, you know, lakeside, whatever. And he's got smiles and then they list that side effect. And you're just like, wow, is this, how is this like, how is this legal? How is yeah. this? A, <laughs> and actually, if you go to other places in Europe, even it's not, it's just not yeah. you can't advertise to people in this way in all the, the world so another crazy yeah. conversation to get yeah. into <laughs> you know it's crazy because that just made me think about um this is a whole other rabbit hole but i'll just go down it because i'm curious to see what your thoughts are so i've lived in the u.s my whole life but i studied abroad in italy for a few months loved it it was great i ate a bunch of bread bunch of pasta no issue Feel whatsoever great. felt i was skinnier then and i was not exercising i was just like walking around and so i came back here and all of a sudden i couldn't handle gluten anymore 100%. and then i talked to two other kids that also studied abroad at the same time they were like dude i also can't eat gluten anymore and the reason i say that is because i think gmos and um stuff Even like that worse. is banned in the e in the eu right glyphosate yeah, that's, so that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Glyphosate in itself is one of those things. It, it was troubling for me because my mom is Southern and bakes the most amazing things and cooks the most amazing things, and it's all comfort food. So the psychological effects of it are incredible to eat mom's food. But just like you said, I would go to Europe, I would eat the pastries in France, and I would just... I would eat like seriously six, seven pastries a day. And that was my yeah. morning sustenance, you know, maybe an egg or two, but I would eat all of these carbs, all of these greens, all, uh, pizza in Italy. That was my mainstay. Every lunch was, I was eating a pizza. Yeah. You never feel run down. You never feel digestive issues. You never feel the same way you would eating just the same items here. And it didn't make sense to me for a long time, but you, yeah, the glyphosate's a big one. Here, I don't eat gluten now either. Yeah. It's, you know, it's unfortunate because I really like the food. Uh, my mom's- Me too. Like my mom's hooked me up with some gluten-free stuff and I was like, oh, this this is all right. You know, but gluten is just one part of it for sure. The glyphosate is not illegal over there. It's yeah. used here. That's one of the major issues, but there's people online that if you're doing that research, it'll say, look, the wheat is just not safe in general. It's not just wow. the gluten. It's the wheat yeah. in the U.S., the way that the, that is formed, and yeah. the mono, all the monocrops, for that matter. And, you know, we've got a soil depletion. We've got them spraying pesticides and, yeah. and trying to hurry this process along so that they can continually harvest. And, you know, there's a lot of issues to it, for sure. Regenerative agriculture, hopefully, is catching on with people as well. It's like, oh, we kind of went way off the deep end with this yeah. farming way we're farming and if we just go back to the standards that we had just 200 years ago everybody will be healthier everyone it the almost livestock. yeah it almost seems like a retraction in a, in a lot of different ways would bring us more forward ironically 100 percent. yeah the innovation and the progress as it's pitched had a lot of side effects just like the pharmaceuticals it had a lot of downfall to really going after the big numbers the quantity over the quality and, you know, we're paying the price for it, not only, you know, with money, but with our health. Yeah. And that kind of makes me think of this is like a, another rabbit hole uh, in terms of like where we've advanced and where we've progressed uh, is AI. I think that there's a lot of scary stuff going on with like chat GPT and all of these AI, you know, servers that you can use kind of makes you wonder where we're headed in the next Ten so, years many, so. so many conversations going on about it right now. So many different depictions of what it's capable of, where it's going. So many, in my opinion, fear mongers that are just off the deep end with it as well. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I don't think there's any real turning back at this point. So yeah, no. the harnessing of it is going to be hopefully safely driven in a lot of places. We'll see. That's... Yeah. Yeah. It's a, definitely a rabbit hole though. There's a lot of conversation. Oh, I know. Right I've even, I've done a few videos on it because I don't know if you've, we can get into like the whole esoteric side of things now. Um, if you've ever had a lucid dream before, like where right. you can control your dreams. So I did a video recently because I noticed that 
and anyone out there who's had a lucid dream, if you understand what I'm saying, then you'll know. Because like it, when you're in that dream realm, stuff doesn't look quite right. If you look at like a billboard or a cereal box, it's complete gibberish in the thing. Or like somebody will have like an extra finger or an extra toe. And AI artwork that I've seen now circulating online is doing this same exact thing. So like people will have like extra teeth in their front teeth or a sign in the back will not be English or any discernible language. It'll just be, you know, gibberish writing. And so that got me thinking, is there a connection between AI and lucid dreaming? Or do you I think that that's where AI is at the moment? I like, don't know. Are, are, could AI be improving itself and its perception as it's going as well. So right now it's oh. in dream state, but when does it go from dream state to real oh, this state? Is, this is getting a lot more vivid and a lot more lifelike and it's a lot more detailed and a lot more correct. I mean, I, I don't think anything happens overnight, but that's yeah. a possibility for sure. It, I guess if you're paying attention to the writers and the actors strike right now and oh, they're talking yeah. about how ai is going to take their images which they've if you've done netflix deals you've already kind of signed away your likeness and your image and i think a lot of these celebrities or these actors and actresses were worried about the fact that ai is doing such a good job auto-generating things now that they've already given away their likeness and their image they can't say anything or do anything about ai interpreting them into this new scene this new film this new saga whatever so a it's partially money but b what do they need them for anymore especially those that haven't an established likeness and image where people are just going to go and, and pay for that so if angelina jolie is getting completely computer generated just as well as she could do or better then what do we need angelina jolie for and where are we at in that timeline? That's crazy. I Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say they might be far more forward in that timeline than we're aware of, too. Just because we what we're seeing and what we're witnessing doesn't mean that the technology isn't ahead of that, which has always yeah. been the case. So maybe, oh, yeah. they, maybe they know something we don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe they're already making them. And I think they did make one. I don't know if this is correct, but I, I think Jamie Foxx was made. AI and something. I don't know if you heard about that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. He there was some actor that like got sick or something during filming and they finished the movie. Oh, the, completely right, right. AI. I forget who it was, but well, the, I mean, he just came out with a video supposedly about that sickness that he had. Oh, so okay. Maybe it was him. Maybe yeah. It was okay. Him. He doesn't look good. He doesn't. Oh, look good. okay. Yikes. Um. um <laughs> hope, hopefully, the computer's not doing a better job of portraying jamie fox and jamie fox is right yeah now. well that's got to be a scary thought for anybody in hollywood like even for writers too because i i will be honest i've used chat gpt to help me with some of my like video planning and stuff like that and it's honestly pretty insane what you can do with it well the speed like, of which the speed at which it produces these things too yeah you know it's, it's like insane. i can work on this for four hours but it just did it in five minutes so yeah you know it's a it's a tempting tool to use i think but you, you know, there's going to be downfall or down, drawbacks from that as well. Just like the students trying to use it for school. Now yeah. they're, yeah, now they're, the teachers have caught on and they're like, oh, here's how we can eliminate the AI, you know, and yeah. they start, yeah. I guess we all cheated in some sense. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> back then, my yeah. trick was uh, this for anyone that wants to cheat in school, if you use a YouTube video, it doesn't pop up in a plagiarizer checker. It's just the oh, audio really? of the person speaking. That's an insider so trick. So you, you just take the, uh, what's it called? The, you just the type out what they're saying. Oh, man. Yeah, well, actually, that was my trick. I guess now if you're doing a podcast, you just go to a podcaster's thing uh, yeah. and all the script is there beside it. You just take their script and you're yeah. good to go. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, high school, me and one of my best friends, the first the first time we hung out, we went to watch, it was, I think it was Apollo 13. And we're like, all right, here's the book report. But you do this part, I'll do this part. And we just changed the version that we we're going to do. And the teacher, yeah. <laughs> teacher busted us pretty good. But Yeah. So switching gears a little bit into like the more spiritual side of things, because I know you talk about breath work a lot on your page. So when did you start that? What kind of drew you to that? Because I know that's a huge practice for you. So honestly, when I was quitting drinking, it, I, I was aware of breath work, but I moved out to California and I decided I was going to give up 
drinking all together because I had done the phases. I had done the, oh, I'm going to just have a drink here and there. I'm just going to drink on the weekend. I'm just going to have, you know, one a night or whatever it was. And for some reason, it always held me back. Personally, I knew it. I knew the issues that arose for me from it. I knew that I never had those if I wasn't drinking. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to eliminate drinking. And part of the, I guess, the willpower strengthening was breath work because I was I would get to, you know, that five or six o'clock in the afternoon and I had friends that were going to go to have a drink, but my social circle wasn't big there. And I was like, ah, you know, it'd be much easier to go to the bar. I fell into a little community that is very fitness minded and they were much older than I was and their maturity. I was, you know, kind of drawn to and they had they all very successful and I, I just I knew there was something about this community that was different than anybody I had hung out with. So I was surrounding myself with better people, more better performing people. And fortunately, one of the days that they had a group workout, the leader of this breathwork, you know, coaching thing introduced me to Wim Hof. And I knew that, you know, there was breathing exercises that you could just in increase performance, you know, for whatever sport you were trying to you know get better at but they did this performance breath that was wim hof and then they would do different loading exercises and it just it profoundly changed my outlook on life profoundly because i stopped having the cravings or and even for sweets and different little food things i stopped having those cravings and i was just more energized and i i just couldn't believe that my perception was shifting just from breath work but my performance was also increasing in such an undeniable way that I became really, really focused on doing breath work. And I would do the breath work with these guys in the morning. I would go back. I would go for a surf. I'd do breath work after the surf. I would do breath work in the afternoon. I'd do breath work in the evenings. I found holotropic. I found like, oh, there's all these different yogis that are doing this other breath work. I just I kind of became a little bit obsessed with it, but it was so instrumental in the transition to sobriety that I was like, oh man, this isn't just for performance. This isn't just for sports. This is for health. My lung capacity, my, like, I just couldn't deny that there was any area of my life that wasn't getting improvement from an oxygenated state, which also made me kind of jump into why. Why is this? And then how was I breathing before? Oh, I was, I wasn't doing just sinus breathing as much. I was mouth breathing probably. I know people with sleep apnea and yeah. I saw, I was like, oh man, this could probably really get people off of these devices. This could help them breathe in, in at night just as well as it does in the daytime. And there was James Nestor, a book I read um, about breath work. I forget the name of that one, but there was just a couple different influences where I was like, oh, this is the medicine before the medicine. This is the foundation for so many different things. You sleep better. Your circadian rhythm is supported so much better. I, I would say that was the most fundamental thing for a transition into a just really focused on health, well-being, and performance. And fortunately, I found it before I started jujitsu. Because once I started jujitsu, I started to apply it to that as well. I realized, A, if you're in fight, flight or fight, fight or flight, you're, you're gasping. A lot of people are in that all the time. And they're mouth breathing, they're yeah. gasping, they're behind on their oxygen, they're not dumping. And it's, it's, it's hard to imagine walking around in that state all day because your nerves, your anxiety, all of these things are affected by a lack of oxygen. And, and oxygen deprivation in itself, you, you see it. You see somebody who yawns a lot. You see somebody who breathes through their mouth a lot. They're probably not the healthiest people. And if you can focus on just that, look, I'm going to control my breath. I'm going to breathe properly. That is a foundation for everything else. Not only I control what I put into my mouth, food, beverages, I control. You know what? I don't want to watch TV anymore. I want to go on the internet and I want to seek out people who have made themselves better or that are teaching ways to make yourself better. Find those different outlets that are supporting me because now at least I can sit still, I can function properly, breathe properly and start building upon that. I do believe that's a foundation for most people. Like if I was taking on a, a training client 
I tell you, you can go to the gym every day. You can, you can overwork yourself. You cannot recover. There's a lot of different things that you're never going to think about if you're just going to the gym to work out. But if you're breathing properly first, you're going to get so much more from whatever reps you're doing, whatever sets you're doing, whatever exercises you're focused on, any other sport that you're trying, martial arts, surfing, uh, all these things that, you know, the, the slack line that I do for balance work. Oh, yeah. It's, it's completely different when your breath is under complete control. You're, di- you're using your diaphragm, you're oxygenating your whole body. It's, it's paramount. It's paramount because you, you just can't hold your breath and do a lot of different things. And a lot of people do that as well. They find themselves in a stressful situation where they're just not breathing. They're holding their breath. And that is just failure right off the bat. You, you, you just see that shake. You become like holding on to yeah. something and you start to get this vibrate that doesn't make any sense. Not for There's just no composure. So breath work was huge for me. And I have a regular practice. I'll take the dog to the park, take the dog to the park and get him a little exercise. And then I'll just start to spread out his reps so I can get my breath reps. And he oh, doesn't mind. He, yeah, he just sits there and he's like, oh, he's doing that breath stuff again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my turn. All right. You know, and we go back and forth. So it's it's definitely it's been life changing. And yeah, I, I, I'm like just so grateful I found it when I did because it kind of prepared me for the next steps along my own personal progress, my own life changing. And it gave me momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say Wim Hof is amazing. I remember the first time I did it, I was like, whoa, (laughs) I feel nice right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually crazy what, you know, breath work can do for you. And I think it's so amazing. And it also, again, is another example of a retraction, right? It's like, you don't have to seek anything outside of yourself. Look at how much power you have from within just by being aware of and controlling your breathing. It's well, crazy. That's, a, that's a wild one as well, because I mean, if you've ever, I don't know your own history with alcohol, but I had alcohol, I had drugs, I had the psychedelic experiences. I, I went down all these avenues, but when I really got that first instructional on a good breathwork session, I was so high. I was literally so high that I was like, oh, no drug did this really. Like, what did I, what did I try this other, (laughs) this other artificial or synthetic stuff for when I could have done this with oxygen? It was, it was mind boggling to me. I didn't understand, like, how did I not know about this before when I was kind of in a disease state, a sick state and I was chasing these I don't want to say feelings, but yeah, it's like a, an emotional response to a psychedelic situation that you could have totally got just from oxygen. Yeah. Makes, makes me wonder about these um, holistic practitioners that are getting into the toad and to the other yeah. and other experiences. If they've ever taken these people on deep breathwork adventures first, because there is so much to be learned about yourself first in breath and in your emotional state. You see people the first really relaxed moment that they've had and the tears will flow through like just like waterfalls because they yeah. went from fight or flight to oxygenated to, oh my God, it's okay. I feel secure. I'm relaxed. <gasps> Overflow of emotion. What just happened? And you've just changed this person's state so much. I guess... It's similar to dropping somebody into an ice bath. Yeah. If if they can stay in there and escape that fight or flight and relax, you see somebody who goes from that anxious state to a complete relaxation that their body hasn't experienced in a long time. My dad, when I put him into cryo the first time, I was really shocked at how well he dealt with it for the three minutes. But then to see like just his entire mood, everything changed and how he told me he slept that night. It's, it's an experience in itself that people can get from that, that foundational breathwork practice. And it, at first it, it sucks for a lot of people. It's very difficult to just sit breath there. Breathwork is hard at first. It, it's really yeah. tough. It's really tough. It's really tough to get people to sit still long enough and turn their mind off long enough to actually focus on just the breath. But then to really start to stretch those counts out and really, really force your body to grow, Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But they stick with it 
And the progress and the reward and the dopamine from that experience is not like what you're getting throughout your day when you're chasing with coffee or with any of these other little things that I think we've become accustomed to. A lot of people have become really accustomed to quick fixes from external, you know, remedies of some sort, which aren't really not even a drop in the bucket, what you can get from just putting your feet on the ground. Yeah. The sunlight into your eyes, getting Mm -hmm. your breath like correct. And like I said before, I was hopeful because in, I would say five years, you see how much momentum there are for these breathwork coaches. Even there's a lot of people that are just focused on just breathwork that are coaching individuals, how to breathe properly and how to relax their body with breath, how to, to prepare yourself for sleep with breath. That one's a big one. A lot of people, you know, they get to the end of the day and they're still wired. They're still holding that device too close to bedtime. They go to lay down and they just don't understand. Why can't I go to sleep? And that blue light that has just been blasting you for the last eight hours or whatever is it's affecting your sleep. You know, take that thing, put it away, get some breath work on and see how different your sleep is. Just that in itself. I think if you can just sleep better, after your breath work, you're gonna you're gonna be rewarded so much though that that would be the foundational practice for a lot of people if they just they understand or learn a process that works for them in that regard. Yeah, and pay attention to how your body's responding, like the little the little changes that you notice. So breath work is incredible, I'll say that. But for me, meditation has had the most profound impact for me by far. And I love measuring my progress in different ways uh, with meditation. So for one, my resting heart rate drops like Mm -hmm. real low. When I'm very consistent with meditation, my resting heart rate's like 46, 47, like really low. But when I don't meditate for like a week, it'll go back up without any, you know, dietary changes or other changes. So I know that meditation for me is like the number one thing that helps me manage my stress, manage any anxiety that I might be feeling. So I pay attention to it in that way. And then also with something like meditation or even breath work, how deep are you going into it? Do you notice that maybe when you first started meditating, you couldn't even sit still for five minutes, but then a few weeks later, you're able to sit for a 20 minute meditation and you're able to fall into that relaxed state with a lot more ease and able to quiet the mind or at least observe the thoughts in a way that you weren't able to a few days before. These are all things that A, are free, right? Free. Breathing yeah. is free. Meditation's free. You don't even need to, you can find it on YouTube or you can just do it by yourself. Go sit down and listen to some music, put on a track and just see where see where it takes you. You know, these are thing, yeah. things that are free and that are infinite, right? You'll have infinite ability to explore that within yourself and infinite ability to grow the practice and see where it takes you. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I, I couldn't even meditate before the breath work. Wow. Like, I could not. Like the breath work kind of calms you down enough and changes you enough to actually be open to real meditation, I think, and to actually just turning your mind off. You know, you're never going to get rid of the thoughts. You're going to lo- watch things p- pound, bounce in there a million miles a minute from the get go. But if you can just sit there, you know, kind of force yourself to do it, which before the breath work, I couldn't, I just didn't understand yeah. it. It didn't make sense to me. I, it was so foreign. I was, I was like, this is just, it doesn't make sense. It's just not medicine. It's not rewarding. It isn't, you know, it was forced. I was forcing myself to do something that I wasn't ready for. Wow. So I think, yeah, a lot of people would probably benefit from a breath work practice then right into meditation. Yeah. That's true because a fundamental part of meditation is becoming aware of your breathing. So, Mm -hmm. but there's other things beyond that, right? It's not just the breath. It's, you know, a bit more of like a full body experience. Whereas if you're just focusing to start out, if you're like brand new to all of this stuff, you're like, I like the sounds of this. I want to, you know, invest in my health. Start paying attention to your breathing, right? That's Mm -hmm. one thing that you can focus on. And if you're doing five minutes of like Wim Hof a day or something, I mean, that's a great place to start. You ever notice people that are in a hurry to get everywhere, to do everything? That was, that was me uh, for a large part of my life. I think, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. It's irrational. When yeah. I think about it now, I was like, how, why did I drive? I had a Camaro, 2011 uh, SS Camaro, and I would like floor it everywhere. And I, I scared people that rode in a car with me. And I realized at some point, oh my gosh, I got this from my dad, but it's, especially after I started to meditate and got a real good breathwork practice. I was like, this is the most irrational behavior 
I, out of all, where, where are we in a hurry to? Yeah. Where are we going? And I think meditation really helped with that. Like, yeah. Just take it easy. <laughs> you're not <laughs> yeah. you're not saving any time. You're not yeah. really you're going to the grocery store, Josh. <laughs> the eggs will be there. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I, I relate to that too, because when I worked in New York City, I was in that rat race of like I was in constant fight or flight. Like I was on the subway, on the train, and I actually mm-hmm. I've told this story of like what showed me that I was not meant to be in that job. We were working until like 11 o'clock at night. It was like a launch period. So there was a big project that we were doing. And I stayed in a hotel that night because it was a long commute for me to go back to Long Island to my house. And so I wake up in the morning. I shower. I got ready. All of a sudden, I hear the smoke alarm go off. And I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I ran down eight flights of stairs, ran into a maid. And I was like, there's a fire in the building. And she was like, what are you talking about? There was no smoke alarm going off in the building at all. It was because I left the door open in my hotel room and the steam hit the thing. Oh, no. I was so stressed that I ran down eight flights of stairs, like barely dressed. It was insane. Yeah. I was like, this is not good. How long were you in New York? Uh, Well, I lived on Long Island for... I don't know, like six years or so. And then I worked, I was, was only at that job for like four months. I hated it. I, I swear five years <laughs> into New York. And then I realized what was going on. I was like, oh my God, five years just disappeared. Yeah. And the whole time I was here, I was, there was always some stimulation. There was always somewhere to be. There was always somewhere to go. And it fit in the gym and was like an, yeah. um, a mission on itself, you know? And yeah, after five years, I was like, wait, this is a little bit, this is a little bit too fast. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore. I I honestly like peace and love to anyone out there that's a city person, but I just I'm like that whole concrete jungle rat race is is a no for me. <laughs> Ironically, I don't know if there is any city people long term. Like yeah. it, there's plenty of people that have commuted into the city that grew up there and I guess they're somewhat used to it because that's what they were born into, but everybody I know, especially in the modeling industry or in the fashion industry, they had a window. They had a window of five years, four years, 10 yeah. years, 10 years. You did a long time there. You yeah. know? And it, that come, has come up in conversation so many times where people are like, you were there 10 years. Oh, I, I couldn't make it 10. I, I did eight. I did seven. Yeah. And it, it's it's not natural. It's not natural. We need rest. And it's yeah. really hard to rest in that kind of life. You know, one of those things. You go backwards to go forward. Yeah. And I think of the collective energy because I'm, I'm big on energy and stuff. The whole collective energy of a city environment is that stressful fight or flight state. And it's mm-hmm. just so silly in hindsight. Even when I had the corporate job, I'm like, this is this is so silly. None of this is really that serious. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, Everybody's they're, they're, rushing. But for what? They're shareholders that are doing really well because all of us are so stressed and yeah. just running from place to place to place to place. And our, our window, like I said, is oh, it's finite. So yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a million up. There's going to be a replacements for us. There's going to be this conveyor belt of people that come in and put their time in. And if you think about it that way, it's like, oh, man, I am so fortunate to have escaped and then get back to a healthy state in a healthy yeah. environment and chase, you know, something that's good, actually good for me as opposed to the shareholder shareholders. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Um, so what advice would you give to anyone who's listening to this, who's maybe caught in that rat race or maybe anybody who's in a career where they kind of feel like they're, they're meant for more, but they're not really sure what they should be doing or anybody that wants to just take charge of their health holistically? Well, that's a tough one because, you know, people have different goals. People have different ideas of what success is for them, but maybe take a look at the, the signs that you might not be in the right place or that you can be doing more. I think one of the things like I was mentioning before, alcohol is a coping mechanism. We we would go to the bar at happy hour after work was a normal process for the entire network. It did not, it did not seem like there was anybody who didn't drink, who, who didn't have some kind of release outlet that wasn't necessarily the best for them. And, you know, I'm, I'm not judging, you know, for me personally, I started to do a little bit of research into alcohol itself. I know you, you're alcohol free and it was just normal. It was socially accepted. It was completely, I never second guessed it until I did. And once I did, then I realized, Oh, this was not the right way. And this was 
only only possible because I wasn't really being true to myself in the first place. If, if I really thought about who I was, I grew up as an athlete, as I grew up outdoors, not, we didn't have the same technology and the same distractions from life. We went and pursued things that were adventurous and we we're just really physical and really, really on the go in different ways. And you rest after that. You can't help, but if you're outside in, you know, the Florida sun for six, seven hours, to come home sleepy and to mm -hmm. get good recovery and real rest. And then guess what? It was, that's what I want to do again. So for me personally, it was acknowledging who I was, what was really rewarding, what was really, what was life about to me? And life was not about the hustle and bustle of a career for somebody else to benefit from it. And, you know, fin finances, money just wasn't enough. Because when I had plenty of money coming in, I had plenty of ways to send it out too. And, you know, it's it's not like I was taking that and I was stacking it and going, now I'm going to go and live a healthy lakeside life somewhere for 20 years. That just, it's not usually the way it works. You kind of expand your lifestyle and you start to need more, want more, and you demand more of yourself that way. So maybe you're running yourself down I don't know. There's, there's a different, I guess, a different window for different people. There's a certain limitation to what you'll do for your goals and your goals will shift. You know, you, what you want in life is really important. You have to understand who you are, what really soothes your soul, what really makes you, you know, want to live a vibrant, happy life more than what I want to chase. What is synthetic? What is artificial that I'm chasing? What are the, the practices that I'm consumed by as opposed to the practices that are supporting me. And yeah, I think it's individual. There's a lot of people out there who will come to the realization a little later in life. There's some that realize it really early. I'm really jealous of my nephew. He's like 19 years old and he's been an artist his whole life. And everybody that's you know told him about college or this and that, he's like, I don't need college. I've got art. And we were, you know, to a certain degree, like, uh, okay. Hmm. And now he's a tattoo artist and there's, oh, he's wow. got it. He's got his own shop and there's nothing he wants to do more. And he's 19 years old, young is, and making great money. And he's doing exactly what he wants to do. It's supporting his soul 100%. Yeah. And I was like, wow, how did he come to the realization? <laughs> so young. That's so wild. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to say I'm jealous, but I'm happy hmm. for him. I'm, yeah. I'm exuberant for him because nothing nothing is going to fulfill him more than that. And you can tell he, yeah. like, the creativity and the work that he puts into all the areas of that business and all the areas of expanding it. And you can tell when somebody's passionate about something, when they're supporting who they are, you can tell they glow. Yeah. And you know, maybe that's maybe that's what the advice is find something that makes you attack every single day with everything you have and sleep really good at night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't use tools to go sleep at night don't yeah. take the pills don't drink and if you can if you can develop that i think you're on a great path oh a hundred percent i think that's such great advice like find something that lights your soul on fire and for a lot of people out there it might be something that people around you don't necessarily fully appreciate or comprehend or understand. And so you might feel alone in that. You might feel really alone in starting your own business, starting a podcast, like starting something that you are super passionate about. But like I said, I think I said this earlier, if you have that intuitive knowing that something is calling you in a certain direction, you owe it to yourself to explore it. Don't just do what people in a position of power or like your family or relatives have told you you have to do because it's the right thing to do. I think that's BS. I don't think college is for everyone. Like this right. is coming from someone that went to college. I don't think it's for everyone. I think there's so many young people out there who would be way better off like your nephew following their passion and like starting their own business. If college is right for you, if you want to do that, sure, go ahead. I'm not saying like you can't go to college, but listen to yourself. I think as a whole, our society would be a lot more beneficial if people trusted themselves more and what 100%. they wanted to do, you know? That innate wisdom has been shut down by so yeah. many people because of what their family said or because of what their mm -hmm. friends did or because of what everybody around them is doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things I think 
as soon as you're comfortable enough in your own skin to make those decisions and follow that innate wisdom, though, like follow the voice inside, really step into who you want to be, no matter how different it is than what the entire world has projected that you should be or what they're doing, you are going to be a happier person. If success yeah. follows that as well. Mass success. I, I, I forget who it was that said this recently. It was uh, money follows mastery. And mm. how are you going to master anything that's not for you that's not yeah. a passion of yours that's not really really interesting to you like if you're going to go and do something just for the ends and it's torture you're never really going to master it you're you're just going to do just enough to get through and get by and then you're probably going to cope with something you're probably going to yeah. lean lean on something fall back on something that is probably not the best for you well, going back to the coping thing, what you said about alcohol is so true, and I resonate with it 100%. Um, once that's gone, right, you discover yourself more and you step into who you are, whereas if you have that in the picture, you're not really being true to yourself. That was a huge shift for me. Like Once I stopped drinking, it was like I finally, for the first time in my life, was confident. I like had a sense of self-worth. I knew what I wanted to do. Um, so think about maybe in your life, it, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's something else. Like, is there something that is preventing you from really stepping into yourself fully, you know? Oh, oh, for sure. There was there, there, I think there's probably always going to be something there, but I think every graduation and every step-by-step step, there's something else as well that you become aware yeah. of. Uh, I weed marijuana. Mm. I grew, I, I grew marijuana in California. I swore oh, this wow. was this I swore this was my future. I was like, <laughs> I had smoked weed for so long. And I was like, oh, it is, it is so medicinal in so many ways. And I, I, I'm not judgeful, judgmental about it. And I don't, I would never say that I won't use in other times in my life, but I did realize at this point that some of the things I wanted to do or wanted to get done, I wasn't going to be able to do as proficiently smoking. And mm. with jujitsu in the jujitsu community, it's huge because oh, it really? is, it's a recovery. Like it's a magic wand for recovery in the sense that it does turn off those pain receptors. So when you're, mm. when you're going and you're rolling for an hour and a half, no matter who you are, you're going to be beat up. You're going to, you're going to feel the physical tolls just like you would if you went to the gym and you did an excruciating leg day. And, you know, you get in your car and it's a stick shift and you mm -hmm. can't drive away. And you're like, oh, my God, this is just it's overwhelming my system right now. How much work I put in. And, yeah, you smoke or you take your THC of choice and it turns off those pain receptors or it, it makes it harder to acknowledge. So for myself, for a long time, it was instant relief and it was recovery gold magic. But it comes with a price as well. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, I'm on the couch a little bit longer than I wanted to be, or I'm on a foam roller even a little bit longer than I wanted to be. I'm not focused on the projects that I wanted to do aside from that. And mm -hmm. with farmsteading, homesteading, never faced an issue at all. I was outdoors all the time. It wasn't a thing that took away my energy or, or even kind of hindered me in any way, shape or form from getting out and doing the chores, the things that I needed to do. But for a podcast or for really reading for a little bit longer than, you know, an hour or whatever, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, all right, now's the, now's the time I need to turn that off as well. And, you know, it's no different than alcohol in that regard that you, you just have different goals at different times and different things that you want to achieve. And I think if you do, like you said, listen to yourself and you listen to that innate wisdom, there's always something going on there's always that voice telling you all right you're gonna have to change this to get that and it, if you want something that you've never had you got to do something you've never done so to speak i think yeah. that carries over through all of our lives and there's always that door to step through for a new existence if we do what we know we need to do yeah the growth never stops right we've never reached a Hopefully. I'm done. I'm awake. I'm awakened. I'm good. Like that's <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah. You're never, with, you're never going to be at that point. If you think the, you are, you should probably <laughs> do some yeah. self-reflection. You definitely need to yeah. dig a little deeper. You're, there's plateaus at where I think we all kind of get that little comfort zone again, for sure. And it's easy yeah. to go, Oh, you know, 
maybe <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But you know, nobody, nobody should do the tomorrow forever. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I love when, that. When you become aware of it and you start to make those notes and you go, okay, now the voice is telling me that I got to give up this one. This one's not going to be as easy as this one was to give up. This one's not going to be as easy to install as this yeah. was, but those are all, you know, what you like nailed perfectly essential for growth because it is a little discomfort. It is a little uncomfortable, but yeah. that is where you're going to find the most profound results and the most growth, the most maturation. Yeah, absolutely. Would you have any last minute advice to anyone listening or things you want no. people to take away? Be yourself. Listen to, listen to that voice. Yeah. You know, it's different for all of us. And I, 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 I'm thankful for the people that I've been a, like fortunate enough to come across that shared their story, that shared their experience, and maybe the little hacks, maybe the little tools that they use to help them step through their own doorways. But yeah, don't, don't be afraid. Like you said, don't be afraid. Just get out there, do it, fail forward, experience, yeah. experience something new, because that's the only way you're going to grow. Yeah, I love that. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you a chance to plug yourself, what you've got going on, where people can find you. So uh, yeah, take it away. Uh, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Uh, the Josh Button Podcast. I'm like five episodes in now. And yeah, find me, find me online. That's kind of where I'm putting all my energy at the moment. Um, or come train jujitsu, one of the two. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.